Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. I've come back with another article from Crisis Magazine by Austin Ruse. This is from September 30th, 2022, The Growing Feminist Rejection of the Sexual Revolution. Very interesting. You know, uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson, he he's been attacked for being uh, an advocate for young men who have been uh, pushed out of the margins of society, even literally pushed um, by women. I mean, I'm myself um, 51, single, I'm not married, and I know a lot of guys who are single and not married, and um, who are also very finding it very hard to have relationship with women. Uh, trust me, there's a lot of guys out there that want to have uh, a relationship with women, with women. Um, I was talking to someone the other day, you know, a lot of guys I know, ironically, have been finding marriages, um, you know, with Asian women. And I've noticed a growing trend with that, you know, and not because they're easy or they're submissive, but because the women want to have families. The men want to have families. They want to have a wife. They want to have kids. They want to have a stable relationship. And uh, and the majority of them happen to be what you call traditional Asian women, not because they're easy. I know a lot of people want to think because they're submissive and they and they want to hear that they, they want to they want to hear that you know they want to put that negativity that because they're you know they'll do anything that their husbands tell them to do. No, that's not it. Uh, it's because they're grounded. They they want to have a life. They want a, a stable husband. They want to have kids. They want to have a home. They want to have a family. They want to have someone that they can spend their life with. And the men want the same thing. But... A lot of times, you know, like, for example, you get girls who young Asian women who grew up here and they adopt a very Western way of, of, of thinking, uh, the, you know, the, the very, the, the so-called liberation. And when we call when we talk about liberation, we mean liberation from tradition, liberation from family, liberation from, from, uh, constraints, uh, you know, conservative constraints, you know, be sexually liberated, be economically liberated, be, be economically free, be socially free, you know, adopt the social, the social trends of the West, the LGBT, the, the, you know, the, the liberated lifestyle. And, and what happens is I think, you know, have different sexual partners and have different, uh, you know, you know, have a relationship, break up, have another relationship. And what happens is that it's usually just, you know, again, it's self-centered, it's detached, it's emotionally detached, it's uh, detached uh, uh, relationship-wise. And a lot of guys feel completely, you know, you know, they... A lot of men have that, but a lot of men also, if they're too masculine, too, too uh, alpha male, they tend to be pushed aside. They tend to look at, you know, and then some guys, if they're too traditional, too conservative, um, they're, they're looked at as hostile, as misogynistic. And this is what Jordan Peterson talked about is that you know, some guys just feel, you know, they, they, they not feel, but are pushed, pushed away, you know, and marginalized. They're just pushed away. Anyway, let's look at this article here by uh, Austin Ruse, The Growing Feminist Rejection of the Sexual Revolution. Let's see if this is true. Generation Z may not be taking the morning after pill as frequently as their elders think they should. So the morning after pill is getting a rebrand. 
You can learn all about it on TikTok, of course. Here comes the newly branded Julie. Julie. Julie co-founder Amanda E.J. Morrison says, What we heard from women is that there is a second walk of shame. The first, of course, is walking home the following day in, in last night's clothes after a night of loveless hookup action. The second walk, walk of shame is hitting in your solid clothes over to the drugstore to buy the morning after pill to ensure the meaninglessness of last night. <laughs> wow. Julie will be sold in 4,500 Walmart stores and will be will cost $42.44 to appeal to the kids. It will come in a bright blue box with pink lettering. They are advertising it advertising on TikTok so it would be fun and shareable. The Julie the Julie com, comes director says, we know that our target patient is really spending most of their time on TikTok. I hate TikTok. I don't even have a TikTok. I don't think I have a TikTok account. Oh god goodness sake. Emphasis added. A new ad on TikTok was viewed five million times. You may suspect that Julie is named after Julia, who starred in a Barack Obama campaign ad that showed a single young woman who took the this, this, this state as her husband throughout her meaningless life and how wonderful it was. Here we are, 60 years into the sexual revolution. Could a rebrand be necessary because a younger benef beneficiaries are wising up? Or, you know, well... British writer Lewis Perry hopes so. Perry is a feminist woman of the left and columnist, uh, a columnist at the Left Wing Guardian. Her new book, The Case Against Sexual Revolution, A New Guide to Sex in the 21st Century, is a broadside against the plethora of left-wing sexual... Uh, I have no idea what this word is. Support whatever it is. I don't know what the word is. She does not believe in progress. She believes men and women are different physically, emotionally, sexually, and practically every way. She believes in monogamous man-woman marriage. She argues against pornography. She argues against prostitution. She believes the sexual revolution has been an unmitigated disaster for women. Wow. Perry says, from the advent of the pill to the IUD and other devices in high Hefner favorite dreams came an entirely new creature in the world. The apparently fertile young woman whose fertility had in fact been put on hold. She changed everything. Perry used to believe in feminist ideas about porn, BDSM hookup, culture. I don't know, I have no idea what that is. Evolutionary psychology and sex trad, however, her view changed because of her life experience and her time after college working at a rape crisis center. Wow. Sexual disenchantments is the heart of the problem, according to Perry. This is the idea that sex is nothing more than a leisure activity invested with meaning only of the participants cho choose to give it give it meaning proponents of this idea argue that sex has no intrinsic um special uh, specialness it's like every other social interaction so uh so hop to it there's no reason any longer to say to say no such an ideology has has only ever served the interest of Hefner. I guess she's talking about the guy from who owned Playboy, and eventually Harvey Weinstein, and frankly, yeah, and frankly, every uh, uh, running teen and twenty-something boy let loose on the girls at big state universities. Perry takes the radical view that sex should be taken seriously. Why is that? Because men and women are different and sex results in pregnancy, the burden of which women may carry alone. 
Put aside the obvious physical differences. Almost all men are bigger and stronger and faster than nearly all women. And consider social sexuality. This refers to different tastes and desires regarding sex and relationship. Those who score low on the measure tend to desire monogamy, prolonged courtship, and heavy emotional investments in long-term relationships. Conversely, those who score high are considered more unrestricted in meeting orientation. They tend, to, they tend toward promiscuity, are quick to have sex, and experience lower levels of romantic relationship closeness. That's probably true, right? I mean, I know a lot of a lot of guys. I think have just been disappointed. You know, they they they're. they're uh, it's hard to talk to, especially if you take your faith seriously. You're not going to meet. You're not going to meet someone like that. You're not going to meet anyone who. It's hard. You can, you're not going to meet anyone like that. A woman to meeting girls like that. I mean, I look at Instagram and I see a lot of Catholic and especially even evangelical girls as a lot of beautiful ones out there with, who have strong faith, but I have not met anyone like that. It's hard. They're very scarce. They're extremely, they're a rare species to meet someone who takes their faith seriously. And I'm not into the whole Catholic singles app. It's just not like that. And I think also society has made it very difficult for um, to raise a family and to to put to to lay down that foundation to meet someone who wants to be uh, serious, who wants to start a family, who wants to start a, a serious life. It's it's not possible. I think in many cases, I think um, it most likely made it very hard for even the the serious. If there is a serious Christian girl out there, a Catholic or or, or any serious Protestant, it's going to be difficult. And I think maybe it might be more easier for Protestants than it is for Catholics. I, I do believe that. I think it's probably a lot easier for them than it is for a Catholic to meet someone like that. And sadly, I, you know, for myself, I don't, I don't see myself uh, getting married or having a family. It's, uh, you know, I'm 51. I'm 51 years old. I don't see that happening. You know, I would have liked to, but I, you know, I don't see it happening. You know, and it's, you know. I'm, you know, I'm not saying it's completely too late, but I think it is late. And I think, you know, it's getting to that point because at some point I, I'm just going to have to accept the fact it's not going to happen because it's just in show. I think the single life is, is, you know, I think God has another purpose for me. I don't see the priesthood because I can't, I can't live under corruption. I can't live under, uh, I, I don't want my I don't want to put my soul in danger of obeying obeying something that you know obeying a pre a bishop who 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 I feel is not loyal to Christ who I believe is not loyal to Christ because a lot of them I think are not. All right, let's see what what this one the next article is. All right, so. Okay, the last part, relationship, conversely, those who score high are considered more unrestricted in meeting orientation. They tend toward promiscuity, are quick to have sex, and experience lower levels of romantic relationship closeness. Psychologist David Schmidt studied male and female social, social sexuality across 48 countries and found large sex differences between cultural universal. Do I need to say which sex is which? The bottom line is that women do not much care for hookup culture. Or sure, they bravely try to be like men, but they are eventually discovered that they do not care for casual sex. One study, however, demonstrated that almost all women would say, yeah, uh, all men, I'm sorry. One study, however, demonstrated that almost all men would say yes to sex offered by a beautiful stranger. Do you want a glimpse into unrestrained male libido? 
look at the homosexual community. <laughs> Thank you very much. That is very, very good. That is very good. Wow. Bridget, uh, Bridget Petsy is a sort of sort of conservative columnist and broadcaster who writes to, who writes the Spectator World. She used to write for Playboy. Wow. In a recent issue, she wrote, unlike many other people who have read and reviewed Louis Perry's work, reading her book wouldn't be some academic exercise in contemplating how liberal feminists has let women down. It wouldn't even be evaluating what those poor sluts over there have endured in the in the wake of the sexual revolution. Reading her book was was personal. I'm one of those sluts. Wow, I am this is in the words. This is her words here. Of the dozens of men Patsy has had sex with, at least the ones she can remember, she could only think of a handful she does not regret. She says most of those casual encounters left her feeling empty and demoralized and worthless. As an adolescent, she internalized one of, one of the big lies of the sexual revolution, that loveless sex is empowering, she says. I basked in the girl power flow of, of, the, of that del delusion for decades, weaponizing my sexuality while convincing myself I was full of divine feminine, or full of the divine feminine. Wow. As Perry describes, Patsy says her mantras were either career or relationship, not both. Intimacy is creepy. Motherhood and children are, are a trap. Sex a Sex is about power. See, and then look what happens when you reach the end of your life. I mean, seriously, your career, the career. I mean, I work in, an, in, an, in a cultural institution that's pretty much like a corporation. It tries to be what you call nonprofit and it's nonsense. And I see a lot of these people, these, um, you know, you often see, it's funny, I've seen a lot of these women, a lot of the liberal women, and a lot of them wind up getting pregnant. They get married and they want to have a baby. They have a baby late in their life. And I don't know, like the guys, everybody goes into that liberal world. It's funny how the liberal world gets aligned with the art world, with the with the culture world, you know, world of culture and art. And a lot of these people think that they're, I don't know, they think they're the guardians of culture or something like that. You know, they go into the worship of the body. They go into the worship of nature. They go into the worship of art. They go into the worship of money. They go into the worship of, I mean, it's pretty much the whole standard. and Or the worship of politics or the worship of social activism or something like that. But never God. Never the very standard thing. And, and it's funny, there's one particular character who loves to make fun of religion for some reason. And, I, and, and yet, 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 he makes fun of religion, but he loves the comic book world. He loves the world of, of pop culture, which is why I, I no longer am uh, into this whole, you know, I was, I mean, I loved comics and everything, but now I'm beginning to realize it was basically a pagan idol. It was a pagan idol world. It's a it's another idea of making up gods for yourself. The comic book world was great when I was a kid. But now I realized it distracts you because when you go to the comic cons and everything, and I don't I don't mean to go off course, but you're gonna find something to worship in place of God. Sex is one of those things. And meaningless sex because it's just, it's a physical thing. It's like a drug. It's a toxic, you know, they get to that, you know, orgasmic excitement. The moment that somebody, you know, you're, you're, you're physically going to, you know, forget or you're going to mentally forget about your problems and you're going to distract yourself from momentary into some kind of high. And then you're going to get back down again. And what happens? It doesn't last forever. But you got, but you had meaningless sex and you had meaningless I'll be a high, but it doesn't last very long. Just like a drug addiction doesn't last very long. Just like being drunk doesn't last very long. It, You go back, you get the hangover, you got the mess that you're in. Well, 
It's interesting. Uh, Petsy hit rock bottom one night when her on again, off again lover texted, Good night, baby. I love you, but quickly followed with wrong person. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> It's, I guess that was, I mean, it's a very minor thing, but it hit like an atomic bomb. I'm sorry. Wow. When her on again, off again lover texted, good night, baby. I love you. But quickly followed with wrong person. How do you come back from that? <laughs> oh, I've heard about this so many times. Uh, how do you, I mean, you have all this stuff on your phone and you send it to the wrong person. <laughs> you realize, it's like, remember that thing um, with that Bishop Cardinal, nighty night baby, and they tried to make an excuse that he was sending it to his sister. <laughs> you realize right then that you are as dis disposable as a piece of Kleenex. <laughs> I'm glad she said Kleenex, which is essentially what you've been. So you clean up your act and move forward. How? But notice how all of this is bad for men. Um, but notice how all of this is bad for men whose natural inclinations tend to the promise to promiscuous. The, whose natural in, uh, inclination is tends to the promiscuous and who need women as guardrails. Throw in pornography, most of which is violent, and you have men treating women like dirt. This is good for no one. This is nothing especially new for Christian conservatives in Louise Perry's book. We have known these true things all along. Indeed, Paul VI foretold much of this in the encyclical Humanae Vitae. Yes, the famous Humanae Vitae on human on human life and he talks about sexuality and everybody hated him for that and he never wrote another encyclical ever again because he saw this happening he saw what the sexual revolution because it was all about the birth control and how birth control was going to take away the natural boundaries of what people needed to protect women especially for women it was guard to it was guard to the fact that it was going to hurt women it was going to and, and it was going to treat sex as a as a as an unrestricted addiction and it led to a lot of lonely unhappy people and it led to men using women as a sexual object and women thinking that they're being liberated but they they were offering themselves as a sexual object casual sex is just using the person momentarily that text summed up that text, the accidental text that she got, summed up Humanae Vitae, what Paul VI was warning the world about. Wow, that's really, that's really hilarious. I mean, I'm sorry, I don't mean to make fun of her, but it just summed up exactly what the hookup culture is. All right, I mean, I, you know. Trust me, I know guys that think this way. I mean, I'm a guy. I've heard, I mean, I know someone at work who is just a complete sex fiend. He just wants to get laid. He just wants to have sex. He, he could care less about the woman. And to him, it's, it's all just getting his rocks off. I'm sorry, but that's true. And this is, this is the way they are. This is the this is the way they think. Yeah, he sent the text to the wrong person. <laughs> it, and then she, she that way that that was that was the atomic bomb. That was the 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 explosion that made her realize. And who knows? She probably went to bed crying. Can't believe that this is that he. Yeah, of course he has other people. Why should he just stick to you? Wow, unbelievable. What is remarkable is that the card-carrying left-of-centered feminist like Perry is saying these things. She is coming under severe fire from sexual left. She does not back down. She doubles down. Imagine, she says, things like women should not go drinking with men they do not know. 
Such claims fly in the face of the feminist claim that women should be able to do anything they want anytime. Above all, Perry is a realist. Perry is not with a with us on everything she's okay with homosexual marriage okay so she's not she's not she's, she hasn't converted she hasn't seen the problem she's okay with abortion in fact she's fearful she is a fearful traditionalist will lead the counter-revolution and that the that that might okay she's fearful of traditionalists will lead the counter-revolution and all that this might lead to such outrage as banning abortion still though she is so good on monogamous marriage excellent on pornography and she is the uh, the scourge of sexual revolution one of the more interesting things she points out is that there has been two sexual revolutions the one going on now and the one on the early christian uh, the early christians led against roman Roman uh, promiscuity, lasciviousness. I, I can't pronounce that word. The makers of this new hip morning after pill, Julie, need to read this book and be reminded it is called The Walk of Shame for a very good reason. <laughs> well, they're not going to because that would hurt their bottom line. Why should they? By Austin Ruse. Austin Ruse is a contributing editor to Crisis Magazine. His latest book, Under Siege, No Fine Time to Be a Faithful Catholic, is now available for Christ, from Crisis Publications. Wow. Oh, boy. This is... Uh, it's, 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 it's a good article. It's a very interesting article. I'm going to send this to somebody just to get an idea what they think. It's very interesting. Very interesting. Wow. Wow. It's, um, you know, this is something that a lot of people need. They need to hear this. They need to see this. And it's very interesting how it all, uh, let, you know, unfortunately she doesn't want to give up on those things, two things. And it, and I think this is where you know you can see her honesty about it. It's great. I'm glad. I'm. Gl I'm glad this article was written, but it's still got a long way to go. It's still got a long way to go. All right. So let's uh, go check out something else, and I'll see you in the next episode. I meant the next segment. Okay. So I'm checking out here this the morning after pill for generation Generation Z. Uh, the morning after pill gets a Generation Z rebranding. A health company set up marketing for morning after pills. They are ushering in bright packaging and TikTok videos. Remember, she remember who was mentioning that, and we want it to be fun and shareable. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's a, it's just, this is amazing. It's a, I mean, it's it's perversion on stupidity. I mean, it's unbelievable. With TikTok videos, bright colors, and sleek packaging, the morning after pill is getting a rebrand, one aimed at Generation C consumers. Amid widespread efforts to set up digital marketing for morning after pills, more female-focused healthcare companies are turning to TikTok campaigns that encompass a mix of education and humor. Though the method companies like Get Sticks Incorporated. Get what? Well, get Sticks Incorporated, and Hey and Hey Favor Incorporated are unusual within the drug market. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't believe this is actually. Hold on, I'm trying to get the whole thing here. Oh, okay, they're trying to sell it to me. I'm not going to do that. It's Wall Street Journal, and. I see a, a photo here. Let, let me just play this. This is this is this is going to be interesting. Birth control pills are. Hold on. Let's get it. You make sure your employees have the benefits. Oh, crying out! That's a commercial. We make. Hold on. One of the most commonly used here forms of contraception in the United States. Today, women in the U.S. can only access monthly birth control pills through a prescription. But that could change within the next year. 
In July, a French pharmaceutical company submitted an application to the Food and Drug Administration for approval of what could be the first non-emergency over-the-counter birth control pill in the U.S. So how does this over-the-counter option compare to other contraception methods? And if the pill is approved, how would that change access to reproductive care across the country? First, we need to break down what's in these pills. Combination and progestin-only pills are the two main types of hormonal birth control pills that women can access through a prescription. The pill the FDA is considering for over-the-counter use is a progestin-only pill, which would be marketed under the name Opil. It's not a brand new product. There is experience with using it. Dr. Carolyn Westoff, an OBGYN at Columbia University, who has been researching contraception for decades, says the pill could be used by most women. Combination pills, which contain both estrogen and progestin, are more commonly used than progestin-only pills. One big reason for that is that the bleeding pattern with combination pills is more predictable. Progestin-only pills generally come in 28-day packs. People typically experience one of three bleeding patterns, no bleeding at all, regular bleeding, or unpredictable bleeding. And it's difficult to determine which one a person might experience. That irregularity might be annoying, but it's not medically Okay, dangerous. I'm going to stop it right there. You see, that's the problem. I've heard this from other uh, Catholics who are in the medical field, is that this mess messes with your menstruation, with your... Uh, monthly, you're mess, you're you're messing with your hormones, and the problem is, is that this basically could also later on cause breast cancer. That's the one thing that the uh, the birth control industry doesn't want to talk about is the fact that since the birth control pill came out on the market, there has been more increase of possible uterus and breast cancer among women. I mean. Has anyone noticed in the last couple of years, decades since or since the time the birth control first came out, that there has been an increase of breast cancer among women because this messes with their hormones? So, you know, and think about it. They call this health care, health care. But you're also promoting promiscuity. And if that if the birth control doesn't work. What's the next step option they came up with? They came up with abortion. And so, you know, this, 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 whole, this whole process is a cycle that's also killing and hurting and hurting women's health. You're, you're promoting them, you're, you're giving them a pill so they can continue living a lifestyle that eventually is going to lead to loneliness and unhappiness and maybe no marriage and no family, no kids. And... At the same time, you're leading them to a health, a possible health danger in their future. So, yeah, it's a hypocritical, it's a hypocr hypocritical thing. I'm sorry I can't get the, the whole article, but hey, you know. Here, let me see here. Let me see if I can get this here. This is something, maybe this article will, um, it's probably not going to allow me to read it. Yep, it's not going to allow me to read it. It's an article, or another article here uh, from 2022. The birth control pill changed Catholicism. <laughs> Listen to this here. This is again from the Wall Street Journal. We learned in Catholic school that one's conscience is the ultimate guide. Really. This is, let's see how they interpret it here. I'm not going to be able to read the whole thing. In... Counterfeit Catholicism, left and right. Houses of Worship, September 23rd. Adrian Picciotti, buyer, 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 notes that the disarray among public Catholics, some reject Catholic teaching, and actively champion its defeat in the public square. Others argue for a Catholic state while uh, skirmaging about it in a triumphant secular agenda. Perhaps the third way might be Vatican II's challenge of, of all Catholics to seek a whole holiness of life. I can't get the whole thing here, but unfortunately, but this is interesting. It's interesting. So we see here, you know, I don't know what, what, what the rest of the article says here, but yeah, unfortunately, it. It, you know, I think there's a lot of people within the Catholic Church that hate the church and want to see the church uh, destroyed. 
and, or they want to see the church change, but which is eventually will lead is to lead to its destruction. The Catholic Church can't do this. Eventually, it's going to be corrected. They're going to be bishops that going to that they are going to help um, correct the church. We just can't depend on the ones now. The ones we have now um, have basically uh, hurt hurt us. It, it has hurt the faith. And they can't do it. They don't know how to do it because they are not men of faith. They have been they have been molded by the modern world, and they have been molded to think like the world within the church. And they and they think they can make the church just like the world. Uh, we were, I think we read this article before here about the multiple religions uh, coexisting within the church. Oh, well, let's look at this here. Saint Paul wrote that the church, uh, that the church is the only body and one spirit is one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Ephesians chapter four, verse four and five. However, someone could be forgiven for believing that we currently have multiple faiths, multiple religions existing within the one Catholic Church. Consider. Our present situation. You know, this could also be said about the modern secular culture. Our modern secular culture thinks this way. Basically, accepting the modern secular world within the church is pretty much ushering in the different, uh, the contrary lifestyles, especially the the hookup lifestyle is pretty much paganistic. It's a heathenistic lifestyle. The idea that you can abort your baby or the idea that you can accept uh, abortion, uh, abortion uh, birth control or same-sex marriage is pretty much like accepting the coexistence of many different religions because you, you, the, the, the Catholic faith, the Christian faith does not accept this. And the fact that you get people who are trying to change the church or trying to make the church accept this counterculture is, is the danger that we're living in. And it's causing the problems, why we're losing people, why the why there's no faith in the Eucharist. Why would you believe that if you if you're if you're if you're accepting the world? Right? And you know, you got the James Martins and you got the McCarricks who have pretty much done the damage. All right, so the German synodal way, again, we're gonna talk about the synodal way, is on the is on the straight path to schism. While Americans traditionalists are accused of having a schismatic mentality this, this is correct a growing number of catholics are questioning what pope francis is uh, 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 questioning whether pope francis is really the pope while others are cheerleading his every his every confusing move meanwhile millions of catholics are just trying to survive this confusing mess with their faith and sanity intact. Some might say that this that these types of divisions have always existed in the church and they and they'd be right. See first Corinthians. Yet today divisions are different. They represent not conflicting views on how best to practice Catholicism, but conflicting views on what makes our rule of faith. The carnal of core beliefs and the means by which we receive these beliefs. This is then makes the various camps within the Catholicism in practice, different religions, even though they all outwardly belong to the same visible church. What are some of these various religious camps uneasily coexisting within the church today? Let's look at the four most prominent in attempt to understand today's confusing Catholic church. First, there are the hyper-papalists whose rule of faith in essence has been the pronouncement of the current Pope, even if those pronouncements clearly contradict previous Popes, pronouncements or even official teachings of the Church. We know what to believe by simply looking to see what the current Pope says we should believe. Yeah, so you're going to get papists on both ends. All right, like for example, you have with Pope Francis, those who are going to stand by his side. Even the liberal Catholics are having a field day with this. 
And, you know, Pope Francis himself has seems to, at times, seems to bend into accepting uh, birth control. There's even talk that he might even change the church to accept birth control. And yet, at the same time, you look at what he says about who am I to judge about homosexual practices and his um, lumen, lumen gentia, um or or Latate, Lata, Latato, whatever it is, that article, that, that uh, cyclical he wrote, it seems to be, Latato C, I think he seems to be pointing to more a leftist approach. I, I honestly believe that I don't think the Lord's going to let him get away with this. I mean, I, I know, I know I'm sound like I'm being anti-Pope Francis, but there's just too much confusion and everybody says it. And there's some people that just don't want to talk. They don't want to believe that he's a bad Pope, that they, that he's, that he's a good Pope. I, I have to honestly say, I disagree. I don't know. I don't think he, I think he's the result of, he's a pastoral Pope, the result of a pastoral abuse, a pastoral thinking that has gone out of control. He he talks like the others. He doesn't talk about doctrine. He doesn't talk about dogma. He doesn't talk about theology. He doesn't seem to care too much about theology. Uh, let's continue. The hyper-papalists are without uh, are, or without saying have made Lumen Gentium, okay, 25, their overriding principle of faith. That Vatican II text states, when we must give our religious submission of mind and will to the Pope, and the hyperpapals have misinterpreted this to mean that in practice we must agree with all the current Pope statements and decisions, even if they are not directly related to the faith and morals, and even if they are not in, in any way official magisterial declaration. The Pope has become like a modern political party leader. We who could not be questioned to do so could jeopardize his Catholicism party. Huh. If this is this is he again, it like I said it before, we've adopted the thinking of the world. So if this Pope says civilly divorced and remarried Catholic can receive communion, even though the perennial teachings of the church and explicit teaching of recent popes says otherwise we need to shift gears and follow the current pope only by doing so can we can we keep the ever-changing rule of faith the cousins of the hyper papalists form another camp the sede sede cavant uh set of <laughs> the separatists i can't pronounce this sede cavantists like the hyper papalists they also believe we must slavishly follow the pope's teaching an opinion on all matters. However, since it's clear that our current Pope's opinion diverged from those of previous pontiffs, they conclude that this Pope cannot actually be a Pope and therefore see a Peter is vacant. For Sedef Cavantists, then the rule of faith is the last legitimate Pope, everything in the church, after the last legitimate Pope, which probably was before Vatican II. The latest legitimate pope is to be condemned and rejected. Typically, the Sede Cavantists look to a current moment in time, perhaps the 1950s, as the pinnacle of Catholicism and must be regained. Next are the liberals. You mean you mean we mean before this we weren't talking about the liberals in Francis's camp? Next are the liberals, who simply want to remake the church into the image of a mainstream Protestantism and make the rule of faith an acceptance. The current thing, the contraception, abortion, homosexuality, transgenderism, etc., they want the church to conform to the world rather than the other way around. They may at times be confused with hyper-papalists since Pope Francis often appears to agree with them, but if we get a more conservative pope in the future... They will quickly transform into the critics of the current Pope and maybe even become Sede Cavantists. Sede Cavantists. I can't pronounce this word. I'm sorry. A final religious camp are the Restorationists, 
the rule of faith. Restorationists is the integrated core of teachings and practice that they have been handed on from generation to generation in the church. They accept Francis as a legitimate pope, but believe that he often strays in his teachings and opinions from that rule of faith that's been passed on to us, and they are willing to criticize him when that happens. Wow, it's a lot, isn't it? It's extremely a lot. Unlike the Sedivacantinists, the Restorationists do not reject the legitimate application of the development of doctrine. They understand that the liturgy and our understanding of the faith can develop over time, slowly and organically. This development isn't equivalent to the latest papal pronouncements. It reflects a development census, fidelum, that is, the sense of the faith. Census fidelum, the sense of the faith, which never rejects the census fidelum of previous generations. In summary, the hyper-papalists want a Catholicism that is only the current, only the current pope. The Sedefkadantists, okay, the the ones who believe the church is the 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 the, the chair Peter, uh, Peter is empty want a Catholicism that only has a perfect Pope. The liberals want a Catholicism where the Zadokists uh, is, uh, is the Pope, and the Restorations want a Catholicism that is, includes all the Popes, past and present. All right. Basically, it's shattered. It's shattered like, uh, like Jeremiah shattering the, pot, the, potter, the pots. It's shattered. How can these four camps be reconciled? To be blunt, they can't. They are in practice four different religions currently contained. I'm glad he said that. Contained within one visible church. When the very rule of faith is different, then is so then is the religion. This is a situation that cannot hold, hold eventually. The veneer of unity will wear thin and disappear. And if we are being honest... None of the above camps can exist for a long term. Hyperpapalism cannot last because that religion is founded on one on men, the popes. While all Catholics should should acknowledge that the that the Pope is the visible head of the church, we should place our faith in the office of the papacy, not on individual popes, even the current pope. But yeah, but that's that's exactly what the Jesuits do sometimes. The, Je the Jesuits swear allegiance to the office of the Pope and not to the man. They try to go around things a little bit. Not an individual Popes, even the current Pope. History has made clear that individual Popes can make mistakes. That's true. And have terrible opinions and even lead people astray by their public teachings. If you just blindly accept the latest opinion of the current Pope, you must set aside your reason. Rejecting the principle of non-contradiction, it's fadism, uh, not Catholicism. The Catholic religion has always seen faith as building on reason, not rejecting it. No one can, no, nor can Sedecavantists last. What happened after 100 years or 50, uh, one, uh, 150 years or 200 years? Well, no acceptable Pope. Who decides who is an acceptable Pope? Such a situation devolves into pre uh, preeminent Popeless Church, which is the Protestantism dressed up as a Catholic, Catholicism. It's not sustainable in the long term. Further, the liberals who want to remake the church into the image of mainline Protestantism are on a road to nowhere. If they get their wish, they have destroyed the church. It will no longer be a rock on which we can place our trust, but just another ever-changing human institution chasing the latest current thing. We already know how the story ends. Just look at today's dying Anglican church. While I'd personally argue that restorationism is the most appropriate response in today's church, it too 
as a movement also cannot survive long term. A movement that resists the current direction of the highest office in the church and must by its very nature be a temporary movement, else it too becomes dressed up as Protestantism. We know from history that the church hierarchy can lead the church down a mistaken path for decades. See the Aryan, Aryan crisis and the great Western schism, but eventually the course is corrected. If restorationists in the 22nd century are still battling with the hierarchy over the same issues as today, then it would be hard not to conclude that the restorationists are wrong or the Holy Spirit really has stopped guiding the church. Of course, <clears throat> millions of confused and struggling Catholics don't always fit neatly into one of the above camp, nor do they want to. They're just trying to make sense of it all, depending on the issue at hand. They may sympathize with one group over another. Conservatives-leaning Catholics might be receptive to restorationism, sometimes, and hyperpapalism on the other time. The traditionalist Catholics might be restorationist or sedificantist, which sometimes changed based on how scandalized they, they, they are by the Pope, by, uh, by Pope Francis that day. Liberal Catholics are well liberal all the time, but as already noted, they will be put on a hyperpapalist mask under a friendly Pope like Pope Francis. Most Catholics, however, likely want to say they are just Catholic. No camps for me. Thank you very much. Ultimately, however, they have to deal with today's situation. Like everyone else, because of the confusion coming out of Rome, we must pick a camp temporarily, even while acknowledging that all the camps must, be, must one day fade away. So they so that everyone in the church can again be truly united as one Catholic. Okay, this was by Eric Simmons. Eric Simmons is the editor-in-chief of Crisis Magazine and the executive director of Crisis Publications. This was great. This was great because it really, it makes sense. And I think some people, like I know someone who just recently become a deacon. He's of Ukrainian background and he's a, a lovely person. And I think it's tough for him because he he's trying to balance it out. He wants to remain faithful. And, and I, too, want to remain faithful. <laughs> but I have to agree that Pope Francis is troublesome. All right, let's end it here. God bless.